Well, I want to welcome back Kevin Loco here to Systematically Wild. And Kevin, boy, uh, sometimes a coaching change can make a big difference, but it, it sure made a tremendous difference for the Minnesota Wild this week. Boy, what a difference a week makes, huh? Absolutely. Give us a, a little recap because you got to see both home contests here. Just give us your thoughts on what you saw from the team that that caught fire after the big coaching change. It just seemed to be a team that felt like it, like it got its identity back. And uh, you know, I guess maybe it's just human nature when they were the Minnesota pronouns pal was going through the struggles they were. That you know, you you you, you play like you're walking on eggshells, and that was I think that was the case with Minnesota. But boy, with John Hines really not instituting too much of a different game plan. It just there just seemed to be a little bit of a step in these guys. A little that that extra gear it just looked like a completely different wild team. It looked like the team that we've grown accustomed to that have been able to get over a hundred points and make the playoffs the last several seasons. Well Kevin, if there's one difference that jumps out at you right off the bat it's the fact that the team was really struggling in their own end and, and playing strong defensively. One goal in each of the three games this last week, and I don't know exactly what John Hines did differently in terms of scheming or whatever, but that, that's just the, the stat that really leapt out at me. Is, is This team seemed to have buckled down and said, you know what, we're not giving up opportunities for teams to get a lot of odd man rushes or to come away with great chances for scoring chances here. I felt like the penalty kill became much more aggressive. I believe they've only given up one power play goal in three games, and and frankly, the goaltending's been that much better. So I think that would be your two differences right there. And you know, like we've talked about on this show, the offense has been much better. You don't have to protect your own net when the puck's down on the other end. So. I think those three factors have contributed to a team that's just locked it down defensively. Well, let's talk about opening night with the new coach, uh, a game that Kevin is at. And the team welcomed uh, the St. Louis Blues for that contest, <clears throat> a, a team that has been kind of a nemesis to them, Kevin. But they come away with a 3-1 to one victory, and it is just solid play from start to finish that really got this team going as they really dominated this contest against St. Louis. You know, they gave up the first goal, and you're just kind of thinking right there, oh, God, here we go again. But then um, almost right away, Freddie Gaudreau finally gets his first goal of the year. And it was a pretty emotional time for Gaudreau because Gaudreau and Dean Evanson were very close as a player coach can be. And I know it was, you know, from hearing interviews with Gaudreau around the local media that it was tough for him to see Dean Everson lose his job. So good for him to get on the score sheet right away and in his first game for his new coach. As you mentioned, the team, after giving up the early goal, battles back with three unanswered goals, two in the first, one in the third, to come away with a 3-1 to one victory. Gustafson, fantastic in this game for Minnesota. Kevin stopping 23 shots. Um, gave up the early goal and then really looked very solid for the team. And you know, I, I think 
and I don't mean to put all this blame on him because he talked about a very young defensive group that's trying to build some chemistry for themselves as well. But he did not look like he was at the same level as what we saw last year. But I, I, I thought we saw some flashes of that in that opening contest. Oh, yes, he made some very, very good saves when they, the Wild needed him to in the, I believe it was um, early in the third period. And, you know, it was a tight game, and being a Wild fan, you're, you're it's a 2-1 game, you're midway through the third, and you're, at this point, your thought process is, okay, what's going to happen here? Don't tell me they're going to give up a fluky goal. Don't. But then when they had a scramble in their own end, and then Jonas Brodine had a great breakout pass to Matt Boldy. Boldy came in and scored on the breakaway, breaking a long goal drop for him. It just felt like, all right, we can finally breathe. I think we got this one. So, you know, just a huge win for the club. A couple nights later, the team travels to Nashville, another spot that has been kind of a a death valley for this club. But Connor Dewar, former Iowa Wild guy, has a huge night, scores a hat trick. And, uh, you know, I I think we've been looking for some of these younger guys to beyond uh, Marco Rossi to to have an impact on the team. And and Dewar looking like he's enjoying the new coach there. You know, for those of us that saw Dewar play in Iowa, that's no surprise to us that he does have an offensive upside and can can contribute on the offensive end. So to see him score three goals, oh, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he had a hat trick with the Iowa Wild. And I don't think – I never saw him as a guy that would be like a – a 25-goal score, and he may never be. I don't, I don't mean to make this sound like I'm being a little over-hyping him in any way, but you know, a hat-trick on uh, you know enemy ice there in Nashville, a place that the the team has kind of struggled at, at points, and and you're you know a young guy like that coming up with a hat-trick, I, I thought was an outstanding sign for him alone. Plus, has an assist in the game as well. So nice four-point night. Marco Rossi had a, a Rossi, excuse me, had an a, a assist in the game there too. Kaprizov with a goal and a, and a couple assists there, too. So that, this was just a very solid overall performance for the club out there. And, and, and I feel like, Kevin, you know, a, a nice road victory like that really can get, you know, I think becomes an even bigger deal for a team. You know, it's like you're winning games, but winning on the road in Nashville, I, I thought was really kind of setting a tone is that we are a different club. You know, and Getting back to Dewar, he almost had a fourth goal, but the play was deemed offsides by just a hair. So, but yeah, I thought it was a statement victory. I thought it was great for John Hines to go back to Nashville, the team that had relieved him of his duties after last season, to go down there with his new team and have just a stellar performance. Gustafson with another outstanding night, Kevin, stopping 26 of 27 shots including the team shutting down the natural power play. They had, you know, some opportunities in this game to try to get some good scoring chances. But Gustafson had a few great saves on the on, on the penalty kill for them and um, just really looked solid overall for the club. And so uh, a big victory there in Nashville. But, Kevin, the, the, the week didn't end there. Team returns back home. Comes away with a big victory over Chicago on Sunday, four to one. Another one goal performance that they allow in this contest, and another huge victory over a division rival. Yes, and they did not waste their time. Um, 
scoring three times in the first period, putting away a Chicago team that had played the previous afternoon in Winnipeg, and they were short a couple guys even from the Winnipeg game. But, you know, it's a a win you have to get. So, you know, can't apologize for victories, especially at this point when the Wild need to be getting two points pretty much every night out to try to get back in the race again. But two goals for Marco Rossi. Boldy gets a tip in in the third period. Matt Zuccarello scored off a great feed from Kapro Kaprizov. So Matt Hartman came back from a two-game suspension. And I tell you what, I like the looks of this line, and I know Everson would have never done this. He's got Hartman centering Connor Dewar and Brandon Duhame, and I just see that just being a tremendous energy line for Minnesota, and that could be a line that could help turn the season around just just by the energy they bring and the fact that you got a guy like Hartman that has been a goal scorer in the league playing on that fourth line. You know, sometimes, Kevin, when you combine a guy who's who's shown that he can be a, a, a very talented scorer, and you combine them with a couple of young guys looking to, you know, bring that, as you said, bring energy up from the excitement of just a, a year or two in the NHL, you really can get an interesting chemistry out of that. And I, I thought watching that, too, on Sunday that, these guys look like they were just excited to be out there. Not like they're starstruck, like, oh, my God, we're in the NHL kind of thing, but like, man, we're doing something good here. Like, we're, we're really firing all, on all cylinders and putting some pressure on Chicago. And don't come away with any points, but I didn't really think they needed to. I think they just kind of set a tone that the team seemed to feed off of. And, you know, it's going to take them a while to develop chemistry, too. But I just think once they can develop that, if they keep the line together, that's going to be a real – I don't even want to call him a fourth line because I just don't, you know, that title just seems to be the last three guys we got to throw together. And I don't think that's the case here. Marc-Andre Fleury gets the start against his former team, stops 28 of 29 shots. He looks amazing in this game. They did get, Chicago did get a power play goal in this game, but overall a, a spectacular performance by the Minnesota Wild. 3-0. and for the week, Kevin. But we should say honestly, the team does head out to the road um, this week after uh, an exciting end to November and early start to uh, December. Traveling to Calgary on Tuesday, then back-to-back in San Jose on Thursday and Edmonton on Friday before taking on Seattle on Sunday. So um, all division games, you know, some things out there to try to, you know, start getting those four-point opportunities for them and, and we're going to see what this team is made of over this week. You know, this team has done pretty well in recent years going all in the West Coast on these trips. And and I I find myself being more optimistic about this trip than obviously I was before the coaching change. And, you know, it could be they got some back-to-backs, but maybe they will, they will find some practice time to also – get more of um, John Hines' um, scheme put into place. But I could settle for a 2-2 two and two road trip, but I would really like to see them go at least 3-1. and one. I think 
I said, Kevin, uh, San Jose on Thursday, but Vancouver. Uh, my apologies about a little uh, mis- misstatement by me right there. But, um, you know, the Canada trip is always kind of an interesting thing, I, I think, is, you know, you're just you're you're going through a little bit of a change of culture. Not a, not a huge deal, but um, you're you're traveling up north there to, to come away with three games. Vancouver is is a place that could be an exciting contest to play. You know, you're going to get two great offensive showcases probably with Vancouver and Edmonton, and then traveling down to Seattle, who's been an up and comer, not playing as well this season as they did last year. But these are none of these games are easy in any way, and. Um, but I feel like there clearly is a new spirit about this team. That that no, they didn't. They didn't just get a new coach. They they won some games. You snapped a huge losing streak, and then you went out and won all three games with great defensive performances. And I feel like this team heads north with a lot of confidence to believe that they can get themselves right back in this playoff chase. Undoubtedly, and I just you know these trips can help your team bond a bit too. You know they got. Yeah, twenty some guys having a coach you need to get used to. Well, no better way to do that than go on a road trip for a week, right? So you have four West Western Conference opponents, all four of them out there in the Pacific Division. So I, I think I said division opponents this week, but it's really conference opponents. So you're going to face a an Edmonton team, seventh place right now in the Pacific Division. Uh, Seattle, fifth place in the division. Calgary fourth place, Vancouver, who's been greatly improved this season in second, playing very well at home. Um, so all these teams have winning records at home with the exception of Seattle. So you know that the, the, the competition is going to be very tough. But, Kevin, as you said to us many times, if you're going to prove yourself to be a playoff team, then you got to beat potential playoff opponents as well. So this is these are the games that you have to go out and say we need to win these contests. Yeah, I think it's a key stretch because, like you said, you know, these are teams that you could be dealing with as far as trying to get into a wild card spot. So they're not central division opponents, but yet they're opponents that are going to have a lot of say with if you're going to make the playoffs or not. Well, if you weren't excited enough about a 3-0 and week for the Minnesota Wild, Kevin, the Iowa Wild travel out to Colorado where they have not fared very well in recent years and sweep. Both of these games, winning five to three on Friday and three to two, on, five to one on Friday. I, I think I said that wrong. And three to two on Saturday. Huge sweep for the team. I thought, wow, that that was really a stepped up performance for the Iowa Wild. I felt like it was a definitely a statement by the Iowa Wild, and something I definitely wasn't expecting going into the weekend. But boy. It's going to be harder and harder to keep Jesper Wallstead a secret as well as he's been playing for this club because as well as the offense did on Friday night to take him to a really good lead, Wallstead, you know, they have that saying, sometimes your goalie steals a game for you, and that was the case on on Saturday night as Wallstead had, a, I believe, a career high in saves in the 3-2 victory. 43 in that game, Kevin. Saves 40 on Friday. He's one of the huge two stories of the weekend, I felt, for the Iowa Wild in this series, Kevin. To not only get Ball said it was unreal and made a bunch of saves on his head. I mean, it was just ridiculous. But power play, two power play goals in each of these contests on the road 
in Loveland, uh, Colorado, and uh, not, not an easy place to play games whatsoever. And you got to feel like some. I, I'm hoping that looking at this team, that something clicked in their heads and like, man, we're pretty good. We're, we're a pretty good team that can really battle with the very best in this league. Yes, and uh, you hope that they can carry that play back to when they're playing against teams in their own division and try to make a move up the standings. But I thought it was key to get the power play clicking. You know, you had a guy that needed a goal badly with Sammy Walker get a goal on Friday night. Um, Joel Teasdale, I believe he had one or two goals over the weekend. That was another guy. Yeah, that's another guy, you know, we were expecting to be a top scorer in this team that just couldn't get started. So maybe it's a good sign for him, too. Well, let's start on Friday night, Kevin. As you mentioned, team jumps out to a 3 nothing lead. Damon Hunt scores his first goal of the season as well to make it 3 nothing. He had a big night with a goal and two assists. Colorado finally gets on the board uh, when Riley Tuff scores his 10th goal of the year uh, on the power play. But Sammy Walker nets his first of the season. Nick Patan adds an empty net in the game for a 5-1 to victory. So three guys with first goals for the year. Walker was the one, Kevin, that when you look at you think, man, this guy was just lights out last year. He was really having a phenomenal breakout season. And then all of a sudden this year has just been shut down. So do you see that as maybe the kind of confidence booster he needs to help him to get back on at least a a, a fairly significant comparison to what we saw last year? Following Sammy Walker in college hockey, it seemed to be much the case for him that he would get on these stretches where he just he barely even noticed he was on the ice, but then all it took was a goal and he would just get on a hot streak and you would you'd be seeing him all over the place and you hope that's what we're gonna see now because you know, he raised the expectations so high with such a great rookie season last year and you just thought, well, he's gonna just pick up where he left off, but it wasn't the case and you just you'd watch and just start doubting, like, well, maybe this guy really, there, maybe there was a reason Tampa Bay decided not to sign him, and that he went to Minnesota on a two-way deal. So you hope that, um, and we'll, I guess we'll find out this week um, whether that goal out in Colorado will get Sammy Walker on track again. Another great performance in the club on Saturday, Kevin. They fall behind on a Ben Myers goal, 9.39 of the contest, but quickly tie it when Andy Walensky scores his third goal of the season on the power play about two and a half minutes later. Teasdale, as Kevin mentioned, scores his second goal of the weekend, another power play goal. Damon Hunt had two assists on each of those power play goals, had assists on each of the power play goals the previous night as well. So four power play assists in two nights. That's what you want from your guy, setting up plays for you there on the power play. Adam Raska adds his first goal of the season to close out the scoring. And as Kevin mentioned, Jeff Revolston, 43 saves in this game, was absolutely phenomenal. The reason they came away with the victory out of this because it's a very potent Colorado offense. Ralston was absolutely spectacular. So come away with a big night there, Kevin, and power play looked exceptionally good for them. Just uh, Yeah, it was just a re- really good uh, road victory. Well, Kevin... Excitement going on, but as you mentioned, this is a, a killer league here. Now, you're going to return home, Rockford on Tuesday night, then 
Uh, Milwaukee comes to town for games on Friday and Saturday. So Rockford right now in the division, uh, standing at, oh, there we go. Uh, st- <clears throat> excuse me, standing at third place at 9, 7, and 2. Milwaukee in second place at 10, 7, and 1. Teams directly ahead of the Iowa Wild right now. So this is who you want to be playing if you're going to start making a statement about making a big playoff push. You might be catching Rockford at a good time. Um, Cole Gutman and Mike Anderson are, or, sorry, Joey Anderson are both up with the parent team in Chicago right now. So that's two of their better players that will not be playing on Tuesday night. But, you know, as we remember from last night, or last time they played, um, it was Colton Dox that seemed to be the nemesis of the Wild, at least in one of the games. So you hope that the momentum from the road will carry to home and they can get some big wins within the division. You know, they they did have success against Milwaukee at home early in the year. So just another another big weekend, six big points up on the board to get. Absolutely, and and love those division matchups. And uh, one of the fun things about the Central Division is these teams get to know each other very well, and you get a really golden opportunity to face clubs that are going to be, I mean, kind of like a little mini playoff game almost every night. And I I don't mean to make that sound a little overhyped, but um, these are the teams you're going to be facing and and continuously competing against to try to make the playoffs. And then these are going to be the teams you're facing in the first couple of rounds of the playoffs. So, it's exciting action every night here, and uh, and man, love these matchups. I know you talked about you, you've been down to Milwaukee and seen some of these games in person and how exciting they can be. Rockford's a great atmosphere to play in as well. So exciting contest in the AHL when the Iowa Wild take the ice. We hear sometimes that, oh, God, they're playing the same teams all the time. It's so you know, what? Jesus, it seems like they're playing Chicago all the time, or like they're playing Rockford all the time. Why they play somebody else? Well, I think it makes for better hockey when you're playing against these guys as many, many times as you are. And I, you know, it's a good mix. You know, you get teams in from the West, it seems like every season, to pay a visit. And, you know, even Hershey's going to be coming to Iowa, I believe, in early April. So, but I, I just. I just love these love these um, divisional matchups because it just seems like every year is such a race for the top spots in the division. You know, Kevin, it's kind of fun too because th- this is not just a battle between like division opponents within the AHL, but a lot of these are division opponents in the NHL too. So you're watching guys that are going to be stars up in Chicago or Minnesota or something, and even Nashville. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, the, the the rivalry doesn't end here at this level. These guys are going to be continuously fighting against each other for potentially years to come, and I think that that adds a little certain edge to it. I was thinking about that as I was watching the game against Chicago yesterday in St. Paul. You know, seeing Anderson and Gutman in the lineup for the. Ice Hogs, and then guys like Dewar and Duane that you saw play many, many times against Rockford while they were in Iowa. So it's fun to follow from the minor leagues up to the NHL. Absolutely. 
Well, a little bit of a tougher week uh, this past week for the Iowa Heartlanders as they drop a 6-2 loss in Friday against Cincinnati and travel on to Toledo on Saturday where they lose 5-3. to three. But a nice rebound performance, winning in a shootout in Toledo on Sunday, 5-4. to four. Um, So Iowa Wild not, we got kind of spoiled uh, recently, Kevin, to how well they were playing. But, uh, I, I mean, I, I, you, you, you win one out of three games in Cincinnati and Toledo. I don't hang my head low enough because that, that, these are very tough teams to face against, especially Toledo. And coming away with two points out of there, I thought was a, was a big boom for the club. And to play as well as they did for most of the game on Sunday, I think they, I think the three games and three days caught up to them in the third period. But boy, they they held on for dear life just to get one point out of it. And fortunately, the shootout went their way. So. I guess if you're only, if you're only going to win one game on a road trip, it's I, I think it's just it's best to win the third one. So you just got that mo- kind of momentum heading back home for wherever they end up next week. <laughs> Very good point out there. Well, the club uh, on Friday night trailing early, one nothing. And in the second period, they wind up scoring back-to-back goals and almost exactly one minute apart to take a two-to-one lead. And then it is all Cyclones from there. They score five unanswered goals, including three in the third, to come away with a victory. It's a tough night for Hunter Jones, who gives up six goals on 30 shots. I, I, I kind of felt coming into this weekend that the club may be looking to try to see what Hunter Jones has to offer, giving him the opening night of that weekend. Um, and, and he struggled, and they went away from him right away. So uh, I don't know if that, that was on purpose, that they were – Kind of, kind of trying to assess him and see if they would use him in another game this weekend. But I, I worry about Hunter Jones in this system, Kevin. I, I, a guy might have just worn out his welcome at this point. You wonder what the future is because as well as Volstead is playing in the AHL, you have to imagine that Minnesota is going to feel comfortable bringing him up to the big club next year because it's almost a given that this is uh, Mark andre Fleury's last season. So there's a starting spot in Iowa just waiting to be had. And I don't think Iowa's long-term plan was to have Zane McIntyre as the number three organizational goalie. They're counting on Hunter Jones to prove why he's a second-round pick. So I think it's going to be key for Jones to, you know, some nights too, you know, you're going to give up a bunch of goals and maybe it was your deep defense that let you hang out to dry. You just, you can't really just base everything on the numbers. And, you know, I didn't see the game, so I didn't know what kind of goals he gave up. But you would like to see Jones at least become a dominant goalie in the ECHL if he's going to be counted on to give the Iowa Wild significant minutes next season. The next night in Toledo, the team gives up a, a, a terrible turnover in their own zone that turns into a goal 145 into the contest. Battles back with back-to-back goals and a little over about a minute and a half apart from each other. Yuki Miura with his second goal in as many nights. Got the team rolling. Toledo responds with three goals to wind up taking an advantage there. David Spacek gets a goal to pull the team within uh, one, but Trenton Bliss, Trenton Bliss 
Closes out the scoring with an empty net tally to come away with a 5-3 to victory for Toledo. Peyton Jones gets the start in this game. Kevin stops 19 of 23 shots. Um, not a, I mean, we, we got kind of spoiled on, on Jones, too, as Peyton Jones has been spectacular. But I, I don't look at a, a, a four-goal performance against Toledo as necessarily bad because it's a very talented club out there. And, uh, you know, he's going to take his lumps at times. I, I look for a guy to rebound like that. And, and Peyton Jones looks like he's, he's pretty pretty tough guy. Got good, a good head on his shoulders about shaking stuff like that off and getting back to action the next night. Yeah, you know, he's a young goalie, and he's been through it in the college wars, too, where if you had a – generally with Penn State, um, it was Peyton Jones and that. So he's used to, if you have a shaky Friday night, you, you know, try to bounce back the next evening because you know the net's probably going to be yours. As Kevin mentioned, uh, a great start on Sunday as the Heartlanders jump out to a 4 nothing lead, scoring 5-0-2 in the contest, and then adding three early in the second period. Looked like they were just going to blow Toledo out. But the Walleye score four goals over the final 25 minutes of the contest to force overtime. Nobody's able to score in that, but the Heartlanders come away with um, – Two goals in the first part of the shootout that clinched it for them as they come away with the five to four victory. You know, I there's two ways to look at a game like this, Kevin. It is wow, we gave up a four goal advantage. But I think if you're the Heartlanders and the way that they've been playing, you look at this and go, you know what? Even when we had a little bit of an off night, we still found a way to win, and that's who we are. Well, you know, give them credit, they. they uh... <laughs> They put themselves in a position where they could give up a 4 nothing lead and still at least get a point and then two points after the shootout. Very true. And you know something, Kevin? Last year, they would have given up four goals in that game. You know they'd have lost. I mean, you've, you felt like, okay, we're doomed. You know, I, I think we watched a lot of games last season where they had a, a two-goal advantage in the third, maybe even with just like five, six minutes late, and the team would come back and, and they would lose in overtime or give up three goals late. I just don't feel like this is the same club mentality uh, that we're seeing this year. Is that, you know, they may give up some late goals, but they feel like they're going to win contests right now. And I think that that really shows in the way that they play. And and you beat a Toledo team on on their home ice where they came back and they got to be riding high, man. We scored two goal or four goals, excuse me, in 20 minutes to knock this game up, but they still lose. And I thought, wow, that. The Heartlanders, I think, just mentally look a lot better than what we've seen. Yeah, we would not have been able to see this team go through that adversity last season and get a victory. And, you know, you look at it, it's 17 games Toledo's played and they've won 11 of them. So to only six times have they not gotten two points. So pretty nice accomplishment. Absolutely. The Heartlanders still finishing second right now, Kevin, uh, coming out of this week in, in the Central Division. 21 points, four points behind Toledo. So you came in with two points out of that. So that you got to feel pretty good about getting two from the, the top team in the division. Um, so a, a club in a pretty good position. Next week, they uh, on Friday and Saturday, will take on Kalamazoo, a team that they played exceptionally well for, uh, against recently. Both those games in Kalamazoo then travel to Fort Wayne on Sunday where they will take on the Comets. 
Just to give a quick recap of this, Kalamazoo in dead last here in the Central Division at 7, 11, and 0. Fort Wayne in sixth place right now, 8, 7, and 2. Bottom dwellers in the in the division, Kevin, those are the ones you say to yourself, we've got to come away with points out of this. Yes, you don't. You don't feel too happy about having to do yet another three games and three nights, but having two against Kalamazoo and one against Fort Wayne, you know, maybe you come out with four points this weekend. And they can finally come home again. I want to ask you about that, Kevin, because this is a point you've talked to me about um, quite a bit over the last few years, is that out of that, that, you come out of that three-game set, um, and then Toledo at home for three and Fort Wayne at home for three. And, and I know you've talked a little bit about the fact of sometimes when, you, when you're in like the last or next to last game, knowing you're going home for a long stretch, you can have a little bit of a letdown. But so if you're the coaching staff of this, you know, what do you kind of say to keep your team not looking forward to returning home a little earlier in their heads? Well, I don't think it's so bad what they're going through now because they I'm assuming they went back home after the game on Sunday. So you feel like it's just uh, only a three-game road trip and you got a nice little break between the the other three-game three, three and three-days set that you had. So it's not so daunting. So I don't think there will be – I don't think there will be a, a – we're finally going home feeling on the game on Sunday afternoon. I think I think the team will find a way to remain focused. Yeah, nice four-game uh, stretch of time off here, four days off before traveling to Kalamazoo. I'm assuming that they'll leave out on Thursday to get out there to Michigan uh, before Friday night's game. Um, and then later on in the month, after the 23rd game, on the game on 23rd against Fort Wayne, the club will have a five-day Christmas break as all the clubs are off for, for five, four or five days to set in for that before heading back to Rush City, or Rush City, Rapid City, um, for a three-game set. So, uh, very exciting month for the Iowa Heartlanders and, um, we don't. We haven't got to say that very much in the first couple of years, Kevin. But but this club has really been impressive early on, and um, I, 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 you know, you got to feel with the way Peyton Jones is playing. This is a team that feels like they are a playoff contender right now. I think so. I think they've got a team that they like, and I, obviously they're having success, and it's going to be exciting to see where the season takes them. There was a player move and. Um, you know, the whole trickle-down theory, Minnesota sent down Vinny Letary and recalled Dakota Mermis to go with them on the road trip out west. So the trickle-down effect there is that David Spachek, who had just arrived in with the Heartlanders for the weekend series, will be going right back to Iowa to fill Mermis' spot on the Iowa Wild roster, so we won't have the services of Spachek for this upcoming three-game set. It's kind of a disappointment because he played very well over the weekend for the team. So a big loss, but congratulations to him for getting returned up there to the um, to the Iowa Wild. And I think that's going to be a key for what happens to the Heartlanders this season too, Kevin, because 
if the if the Iowa Wild stay relatively intact, that should mean that the Iowa Heartlanders will also remain that way. And I think this is a very good chemistry they have going on down here. They have some quality scoring going on here, and they have a, a solid defensive core, and they have pretty good goaltending right now. So I, I got to feel like if they this team can stay 90% of, of, of their roster without a huge major loss to a, a call-up or something, that they uh, that we're going to see playoff hockey in Coralville here come this year. It would be nice, and right now this is the time where Iowa football will have a game on New Year's Day. Other than that, it switches over to, like, wrestling and basketball. So maybe maybe the Heartlanders can get a bit of that attention pool coming up now, and it really helps that they have been winning. So hopefully it means um, more fans will be coming out to games. Well, Kevin, uh we're closing out the show for this week here. So, um, what's a what's a Kevin Luco topic for this week? Hmm. Very interesting. Well, you kind of caught me on that one because I really had nothing to go into this week. I had a, but... I had a couple angles to go, but I'm I'm going to give you the opportunity a la carte tonight. How about? Well, I think if anything, what this week has taught us is that the hockey season can be quite the roller coaster ride. You know, last week we were all doom and gloom, and boy, you know, it was a it was a pretty easy show to do tonight. You know, with um, Minnesota and Iowa both having success. You know, I obviously I attended two of the three games for Minnesota and. I was on a hockey trip from up in Duluth on Saturday night, and the timing worked out right where I hopped in my car just as the Iowa game was starting, so I picked up that game and listened to most of that game while driving home. So, you know, as gloomy as it was a week ago, it's just amazing that, you know, seven days later, I think we've got some Real good stuff to be optimistic about as we move along further in the season following the the teams of the Minnesota Wild organization. That's fantastic. Kevin Luco, thanks for joining me this week. My pleasure.